outreach growing fast, 3,100 customers, bookings per quarter. Now they passed last year, 10 million in new bookings per quarter, hoping to break 17 million in new bookings per quarter by Q4 of 2019. That'll put them past $10 million per month in revenue. They're still growing 100% year over year, even at their scale, 60 million raised, maybe a big announcement on the way in terms of funding. We'll see what happens. Burning call between two and 3 million per month right now, which again, is allowing them to drive so much growth. 350 folks on the team in Seattle, 145% net revenue retention, super impressive. Less than one SDR for two AEs, then one implementation manager. And then again, CSMs that are, are incentivized with commissions to drive expansion revenue. Hello, everybody. My guest today is Manny Medina. He's a CEO of Outreach, the leading sales engagement platform. Medina joined Amazon's AWS team as an early employee and helped Microsoft drive the mobile division from launch to 50 million in annual revenue. He has an MBA from Harvard Business School and a computer science master's from the University of Pennsylvania. Manny, you ready to take us to the top? Let's do this. All right, come on. In the bio, your team says the leading sales engagement platform. You know I have to push you on the fluffy stuff. So how do you know you're the leading one? You know, we have a good sense of the market. We always know who's buying who. We are in a, in a very privileged position in which we are creating a new category. So as the category is getting created, people are talking to all of us, to everybody in the category. So we have visibility into who is doing what at all times. So we track very closely the wins and the losses and the sizes of each of those and the expansion opportunities and so forth. So we know by the numbers that we are the one that with the most accounts and the most money, you know, because we're also growing, we're also racing and, you know, we're close to Silicon Valley and everything. We hear the feedback from investors telling us that we are the leading. So it's the feedback loop and the market itself telling us. So when you were back on the show last in February of 2018, you'd said you were at about 250 employees at the time. You'd raised, I think, 60 million in funding is what you said. Give us an update on those two numbers. What's team size today and have you raised additional capital? We haven't raised additional capital, but we are, you know, we're always talking to investors. So don't be surprised as news come out. We are at 315 employees right now. We actually just moved. We're in brand new offices right here in Seattle. And we are hiring a fresh new batch of the C-level suite. So we have a new CRO. Well, Manny, hold on, hold on. New CRO, this is usually one of, like, one of the first like signals I'm looking for for anyone that I think might be pushing $100 million in ARR in terms of, hey, we're looking at going public. So who was the CRO and have they taken a, a company public recently? No, we had our CRO. We hired Mike, Mike Mooney from Centrify. And he was involved in growing, you know, north of $300 million with uh, HP and, uh, and then uh, with Imperva. He took him to almost 800 million in ARR. And then recently he joined Centrify, but that got acquired by Thomas Bravo. So he's looking for a clean slate, something to take from zero to public himself. Well, maybe you're not exactly at zero anymore. I mean, maybe more like 60 to public, right? Well, 60, 60 to public. And, you know, the public numbers are, are a moving target, right? So you can, you know, 200 is a new 100. So you can, it's, it's no longer. Is 100. that right? Is that it? It's really, you got to hit 200 million in ARR to have a, have a good IPO. That's what Goldman is selling everybody. Why do you think that is? Is the, the amount of liquidity in the market is just stupid at this point. So like you can you stay private for longer. Stay private for longer. Funds are playing both sides now. Funds are playing, funds are used to be public funds, hedge funds and so forth are playing the, the private markets now too, because you can write a 50 to $100 million check and invest it all, like that whole thing into one company and then let that write out. So if you have a $600 million allocation for a particular company, you can start making bets early on and just capture the upside as the company goes from, you know, growth stage to public. Is your, in the back of your head, you're kind of like, wow, I, the whole team is kind of aligned on, we'd love to go public one day. Or do you think there's a path to actually staying private, you know, up to four or five, 600 million bucks in ARR? I think that we have to go public. The accountability is different. The, the liquidity is different. I want to do what Amazon is doing, which is they pay their, their salaries fairly, they're fairly low. But each employee is capturing the entire upside of their execution because of the market reward. 
You see what I mean? Equity. So that is, exactly. It's a beautiful position to be in, in which you, you sort of cap your, your base, but the market is paying your employees you know, their bonuses and their salary increases. So it's, it's an incredible position to be in. And I want to I wanna be the, uh, the Amazon for SaaS enterprise. Yeah, you see it as a way to potentially attract talent, but save your cash flow, use the equity value and the liquid markets to you know, build a rockstar team. Exactly. And it's, a, it's, it's like the market is paying the employees a bonus for, for performance. Yeah. So we all, all align. It's a, there's no better alignment than that. Yeah. All right, Manny, t- for people that don't know, the, the rare person that doesn't know what outreach is, what do you guys do? So if you were to think of sales engagement means that if you were to think about what a rep does every day, that rep calls and emails and follows up and book calendar appointments and documents, LinkedIn, et cetera, that whole thing needs to be orchestrated for you to be able to measure it and improve it. So in outreach, it creates a single pane of glass where you can live and take all those actions. So what we do is we're separating the CRM layer, which is where the data is stored, to the system of action where the data is acted on. So by creating a layer where the system is acted on, you actually get better performance because you have visibility to what the rep is doing at all times. And is that working? Is that getting what you need out of the rep to move the deal forward? Yeah. Uh, last time you were on again, February, 2018, you said you had about 2,200 customers. Where are you at now today? 3,100. And so where's Manny, where's most of that growth coming from? What's the, what's the tactic that you've been testing? Outbound, inbound content? What is it? So we have been heavily outbound. We actually, I used to pride myself of being, you know, called outbound engine for the longest time. Uh, we bought, we bought a company sales hacker since last time we talked. By the way, I was like in the middle of trying to work a deal with him to like buy the conference somehow. And I'm like, he's not replying to my emails. He's working on something big. And then I see the news. I'm like, God damn it, man. He get out of my way, man. <laughs> no, Max is a great guy and he has a book out too. How's that going so far? Oh, it's blowing up. It's blowing up because, again, we're redefining what sales means. Like sales is no longer bravado, lone cowboy, do whatever it takes to win. Some people win, some people lose. Sales is becoming a very scientific game in which you need to optimize the time of the rep and the activity that they take to get the most juice out of that transaction. And sort of like it matches both empathy, empathy, science, and an obsession into one package. And that's what we, and that's what the book is. It lays out the groundwork for what sales engagement will be. But to, to, to get back to your question, so we bought Sales Hacker so that we can actually have access to educating the community. What we figure is that our impediment to long-term growth was education, was educating the market that any of the stuff that we're doing is actually possible. Yep. And every time we release something from the machine learning team and I, we tell the market that we just did this, the market is like, oh my God, how is this even possible? I don't believe you. You see what I mean? And because we are... You know, we're true to our Seattle-like roots in which we do what we say we're going to do. You know, we never market ahead of capability. We needed the ability for us to have an outlet to tell our story. And that's what we bought Sales Hacker and that's what brings us here. So heavy outbound. Give me give me the ratios real quick because I'm sure you've tested this. You're in kind of inside sales team. So what's the ratio from kind of like SDR to AE right now? It's less than one to one. So last time we talked, I think it was, you know, over one to one, one and a half or so SDR for AE. And now we're dialing that down significantly to less than one SDR and we're going to get to one SDR per two A's. Okay, per two A's. What has allowed the SDRs to get more efficient? Outreach. Can you be specific though? I mean, I know it's your tool, you build it in, but but what actually is it? Is it higher response rates on the cold emails? I mean, what is it? We are nonstop testing. So we have a team actually internally that what they do is they test language. As we break down by persona, right? So we figure out what persona we're reaching out. And then for each of those personas, we break it down by segment. You see what I mean? So you have you know, persona make market, persona enterprise, persona blah, blah. How many personas do you have, by the way? On the SDR team, I think we're testing about 15, give okay. or take. And then go down one more layer. You said each persona has segments. How many segments? So we have four segments and about four personas. So four by four is 16. There's a few that are non, sort of that are, that are just non-performing for us. So we have about 15 sort of sequence types. 
that is addressing each of these persona market dot in the matrix. And so for each, we have a sequence. Every performance improvement of like 1% of connection rate or 1% on, 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 on reply rates, 1% of connect rates on LinkedIn creates a downstream effect on the amount of funnel that you can create per SDR. Go, hold on, I mean? Manny, hold on. That's a really valuable thing. I want to go deeper there real quick. You just mentioned cold outreach on LinkedIn. Again, testing maybe the subject line and the first, like the first sense of the in-mail or like the cold email. What are like two or three other like first touches you're experimenting with besides email and LinkedIn outreach? Direct mail. So really? You, yeah. So sending you something ahead of the call, sending you something ahead of the email has incredible ability to move the needle. So when you, the way you think about your, your entire go-to-market program is that you have an efficient frontier of what is SDR generated versus self-respected by the A. Figure that out versus what is the number that you're solving for in your CAC, in your payback time, and in your margin. And then you sort of like draw a line and like you figure out what is the right combo per segment based on your ACV and based on your time to close so that you can actually get to the right economic unit for that persona. You see what I mean? So what we are constantly doing is constantly saying, okay, so my SDR is going to perform all these activities and I'm going to get all this juice out of it. While we're ABMing, we're doing an account-based marketing program against the same persona. Meaning the moment you get a package, you also get an ad on LinkedIn. And then the moment you click on that and you see something on the website, you're also getting retargeted. And then we see what do you spend time on? And then we have a call outbound going to you saying, hey, I noticed you did this. Will you want to talk about it? So the ability to create that that surrounding of the experiencing is that is that what gives us the ability to measure what is efficient and what is not. Manny, give me the inputs again. You said CAC payback. What are the other things that change depending on which segment and persona combo you're at? So CAC payback, the ACD. Okay. And, and then how long does it take to land that deal? You see what I mean? Because if your team isn't prospecting against that deal, but it takes six months to land a $10,000 deal, that's not very efficient. You want to figure out what is the right ACD CAC deal length combination to figure out the right program for that. Is there any single metric you are normalizing across all your segments? Like you never want payback to be longer than eight months. You never want payback to be longer than 20 months. Okay. Uh, Gross gross margin adjusted. So when you say gross, when you say gross margin adjusted, just to be clear, you're taking your ACV, your first year ACV, you're then taking your CAC and then you're multiplying times, whatever, 87, 84%, whatever your margin is. Precisely. What is your margin? I think it's in the 80% right now. And most SaaS companies will have roughly, like assuming there's nothing weird, right? Like you don't have a big component of like professional services, et cetera. Like assuming all that, your good, healthy SaaS company should be running margins in the end of somewhere between 80 to 70%, 65% even if you're growing really fast, because it's, the majority of it is support in Amazon Web Services or Google Cloud or whatever you're using. Finish the kind of sales stack you're using with me right now. So less than one SDR per two AEs. Once an AE closes that deal, are they passed off to customer success person or does the AE own the upsell expansion as well? That's a great question. So the moment you close a deal, for us in particular, adoption, because we're an engagement, we're a system of action, adoption is our true north. So the moment you close a deal, then it gets passed on to a, what we call the implementation manager. An implementation manager takes that entire account. So if we if somebody bought 100 seats, that deal comes to the implementation manager, and we need to assure that 70% of those seats have daily usage. And measured by logins or number of messages number, sent? We call them sales positive motions. So the ability for you to use the application manually, like you're doing something in the application that creates an opportunity, creates a meeting, creates a reply, creates a follow-up, whatever is creating something that is moving the deal forward, we measure. And we need to get 70% of the seeds doing daily positive motions. And that's when we graduate into a CSM. And then the CSM gets into the business of educating that account as opposed to getting to adopt. Okay. And that's 
break it down. Your typical implementation manager is on these accounts for about how long? Does does that take a month or a year? It depends on the, the length of the deployment. So if it's, again, a 100% account deployment, it usually takes about a month to two months to get everybody to learn and to use it at a scale in such a way that it doesn't become a problem downstream of adoption, et cetera. This is your tactic to get month one to month two churn as low as you possibly can. Precisely. Our net retention is in the 140s right now because of that trick. But by the way, Manny, you know I do a lot of these interviews. I mean, I would consider that world-class net revenue retention. Yes, but that's how you do it. It's like you solve for the user activity by attacking that user activity upfront. While the deal is hot, while there is engagement and you have the champion, the ink is still wet on paper, that's when you attack the the adoption problem so that you don't have to deal with that you know, later on when you're trying to do your renewal, upsell, cross-sell or whatever. How many implementation managers per AE? At this point, we have one-to-one. Manny, I'm just going to summarize up to the CSM. Less than one SDR is keeping two AEs busy. Those two AEs are closing. And all the things those two AEs close, one implementation manager can handle over you know a month to four months, however long it takes to onboard 70%, measured by sales process motions. Once the implementation manager hits that 70% seat usage, it's passed off to a CSM and call it month four, five, six, somewhere in that time frame. How many CSMs per implementation managers? It's a little lower because at this point, the CSM is working on it or education programs. The CSM, she doesn't have to worry about adoption anymore. She has to worry about education. So we already have dashboards for all of them to see how sophisticated they are in the platform. Meaning, are they using A-B testing? Are they using persona triggers? Do they have their inbound workflows capturing outreach as opposed to the outbound workflows? And if it's not, then go capture that other workflow. Then go capture the account executive workflow. So the CSM is already trained to see for opportunities to capture additional workflows. It's like the implementation manager is going wide. 70% seats, the CMS says go deep. Correct. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Here's a big question. This is a big debate right now amongst other companies in the hundred million kind of ARR range. Are your CSMs quota carrying on based off expansion revenue? That is a hot topic. They are not quota carrying per se, meaning they don't get fired. They don't hit a quota, but they do have a renewal target. Okay. But they get no personal upside if they hit it other than like maybe a bad performance review. They do. So they do. So that you have, you get the upside but you don't get the downside. So quota carrying in my mind will mean you get fired if you don't hit quota. Yep. You get the upside if you don't hit quota. Oh, so they are, there's a commission. Yeah, they do have a commission program, yes. Oh, okay. Can I ask like a minimum commission in a year that's like 10%, 5%, two? It's less than 10. Okay. But it's less than five. I, I, it could be 10, but I don't recall. The yeah, we're getting, we're getting really in the weeds. And so th- this is a part that is tricky, right? Like this is why it's a hot debate is that I am far more concerned about maintaining that 70% user adoption and acquiring new workflows. And we have proven here internally that by doing that, you hit expansion triggers. Yeah. But I cannot explain, like if you were to ask me why or like how does it work, I, I won't be able to explain. Well, this is why, this is, Manny, this is why, and I'm not just trying to blow smoke up your ass. If the process works, the outcomes will just happen. You're investing in the golden goose and you know the golden eggs will just come out faster. I'm far more concerned about the leading indicators as opposed to the lagging indicators. 100%. Okay, so 2014 launched 3,100 customers today. You've added, you know, that's up from 2,200 about 18 months ago. Average customer paying about what these days? We're up to, I think it's somewhere between forty dollars and $60,000 per year. Okay, good. So we'll, we'll say 40,000 bucks per year minimum there. That's about 3,300 per month. Let me see. That's up. Yeah, that's up your ARPU a year and a half ago. You told me it was about 2,400 bucks. So that's testament to you've driven expansion revenue, right? It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, not only that, but we also move quite a bit of market. And when you move a market, the levers of negotiation kind of change a little bit, right? Because they want, you know, they want a lot of security. They want a lot of governments. They want all these other things that are, you know, way more expensive and they either have it or they don't. You see, I mean, it's not like a, 
an SMB account can you know trade them off. In a big enterprise account, there's a lot of things that you that, that are non-negotiable. Now, Manny, I have to do the math because you gave me the numbers. So correct me here if I'm wrong, but 3,100 customers, $40,000 ACV, that would put you north of 10 million bucks a month right now in MRR. Is that accurate? We're not quite there yet, but I can tell you the following, and, and I, I don't have permission to do this, so this is an exclusive. We passed the $10 million quarter mark last year. So we're now adding over $10 million a quarter every quarter. In new bookings. In new bookings, yeah. yeah. And that is actually, that is the metric a lot of the most advanced kind of investors and VCs and PE firms will look at is actually new bookings per quarter. So congratulations on that. Growth year over year. North of 100. Even at these kinds of big numbers. I mean, because last time you came, by the way, last time you came on, again, February 2018, you told me, I mean, you were north of 5.3 a month, right? So you're, you're pushing, it sounds like getting close to 10. I mean, that's impressive at, at this scale. The good news is that because, so we just, we're the, the, the size of the market is just enormous, right? We, we're deploying against install base for CRM. So we're now we're just mopping up everybody who has Salesforce or Dynamics doesn't have a layer of engagement. Yeah. So everybody's working out of spreadsheets or out of somewhere outside of CRM. So that entire market is available to us and that's an $80 billion market. Mm-hmm. So for us, it's literally a capacity problem and an education problem. The more I educate the market, this is what we bought Salesforce, the more I what we have. And then all, of, all I need is capacity to go deliver against that. This is what we need to, you know, to my earlier point, is what we need to sort of address that need with the right effective approach for that particular segment. And as yeah. long as we do that, it's all the way to $80 billion. So there's no, there's no constraint. Will you pass 10 million a month, you think this year at some point? Oh, we have to. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. What can you tell me the goal by the end of the year, by 2019, what would be like a stretch goal? Like 140, 150? So the stretch goal is to get to about I think it's like 17, I think $17 million a quarter. This is interesting to hear you talk. You're really measuring everything in terms of velocity, right? So you're saying 17 million in new bookings per quarter. Correct. It's just interesting. I asked the question and you give that response versus what most people would say is we want to break 150 million bucks in ARR. Just, it gives me a, you know, into your psyche. It's input metrics, right? Like I think about input metrics, like what capacity do I need to generate that kind of money and everything else takes care of itself. You see what I mean? Yeah. If I'm thinking about the output metric, then you know I, I sort of forego a lot of steps in the middle. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, it sounds like you're talking or thinking about funding right now. Don't tell me obviously what you're actually negotiating, but for where you're at, right? It sounds like you have passed, and I do think this is a critical point, when CEOs get to the point where their ARR is greater than the amount they've raised, right? You now have leverage again versus the other way around, which is you've raised way more than what your ARR is. So you have really, I believe any options you want on the table. What is the right next move for you in terms of capitalization? So the broader way to think about this is play it all the way out to cash flow positive or to, to some kind of like give it that number and then figure out how much money do you need to get there and then double that. Yeah. And then that's your new minimum. Are you cash flow positive today? No, 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 no. Okay. We're growing too fast to do that. And, and then we're in a tricky situation that we're, because we're so sales-driven, we have to buy the capacity at the beginning of the year, ramp that capacity, make it productive, and then that delivers a double. So every time we double, we have to sort of execute the same trick. Now, yeah. that all becomes sort of like so self-sustaining in about a year or two. And that's not even including international. And that may put a dent in the whole plan. Manny, okay. we, have, we have to wrap up. I just realized we lost track of time. But I mean, can you give me a general sense of scale? Are you burning like a million net per month or two million net per month? Where are you generally? Right. North of 2 million per month right now. Okay, but yeah. south of three? But it's south of three. Okay, yeah. between two and three. Good, that gives me, just give me a good general sense of kind of where you're at. Let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Still think fast and slow. <laughs> That's a good one. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? 
always be in Bezos. Bezos, yep. Uh, by, by the way, real quick, you, you're in Seattle. Obviously, Amazon is up there. Henry is getting very aggressive with his nice PE from behind him. Just took out Zoom Info. Are you in any acquisition talks with them? This would be a nice natural add-on. No, Henry, I, I take notes from Henry. You know what I mean? When I, when I grow up, I want to be like Henry. <laughs> well, I, he gave me the same process. I asked you, and I'm now, I'll write a big post on comparing your process with his in terms of SDR to AE to CSM. Henry's a genius because he has SDRs doing his expansion. You know something else too? He has employed, and he doesn't talk about this a lot, he has employed actually external firms to run a lot of his engine. And I've interviewed a few of them. And so when you add them all together, it's like little mini SWAT teams running different tests. That's right. Makes sense. That's- Number three, Manny, what's your favorite online tool for building your company besides outreach? I would still say Google Docs. Still very reliant on Google Docs for everything. And number four, how many hours of sleep you get every night? Six. And what's your situation? Married, single kids? Married with three kids. Three kiddos. How old are you? I am 45. 45. Last question. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? That starting a company is not that hard. It looks a lot harder than it is. Guys, it looks harder than it is. Coming from Manny, again, outreach growing fast, 3,100 customers, bookings per quarter. Now they passed last year, 10 million in new bookings per quarter, hoping to break 17 million in new bookings per quarter by Q4 of 2019. That'll put them past $10 million per month in revenue. They're still growing 100% year over year, even at their scale, 60 million raised, maybe a big announcement on the way in terms of funding. We'll see what happens. Burning call between two and 3 million per month right now, which again, is allowing them to drive so much growth. 350 folks on the team in Seattle. 145% net revenue retention. Super impressive. Less than one SDR for two AEs, then one implementation manager. And then again, CSMs that are, are incentivized with commissions to drive expansion revenue. Interesting model, Manny. Thanks for taking us to the top. Yeah, man.